0: Good morning, One Chapel. Today we are continuing our series on living a legacy life. And we've been asking ourselves what do we want our legacy to be? In 2020, what do we want the legacy of this year to be? And it's been a challenging year, but there is still time for you and I to decide what the result, what the benefit is, what the legacy is of 2020. And so when we think about our church, it's important that once a year, we kind of turn our attention to this subject and ask ourselves, what do we want the legacy of one chapel to be in our community and in our city, in our region? Because when we define legacy, what we mean is live so that my life outlives me. Live so that my life outlives me and the things that I do, they live beyond me. And here's the thing about leaving a legacy. It's going to require of all of us, it's going to require faith faith in our hearts because so much of what God wants to do in you and through you is way beyond you. It's way beyond you and me. You don't have the strength. You don't have the talents, the abilities on your own. I remember in planting one chapel 10 years ago, showing up that weekend to the movie theater where we were going to have our first launch service and just hoping that someone would show up, like anybody would show up. Are they, is, is this going to happen? I mean, we'd raised money. We'd, uh, we'd driven you know, halfway across the country and moved our family to this city that we didn't really know, and, and we'd invited people to come along with us, and, and you just don't know what's going to happen. And was it going to amount to anything? Well, that Sunday morning, over 400 people showed up at that first launch service and my mind was blown. Here's what was even better. 35 people committed their lives to Jesus that day. That's an incredible thing. And what's really challenging to me when I think about that day 10 years ago, I, I know it's, it's true that I couldn't conceive then. I couldn't conceive of a church. I couldn't conceive of what God was trying to do with us and wanted to do with us. I I couldn't conceive of five campuses and a vision for 10, at least 10 all over the Austin region. I couldn't see it then. God had greater things in mind for me, in mind for us together. And so this message today is about, tapping into the greater things, believing that there are greater things that God has for you and me. And this comes from a a passage where Jesus talks about this in John 14, 12. It says, very truly, I tell you, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the father. Now, I don't know about you, But I've always struggled when I read this verse, like, what? I'm going to do greater things than Jesus himself? I mean, I don't know. For most of us, that just doesn't compute in our heads. It kind of starts with, um, well, I don't think I can walk on water and I don't think I can uh, multiply bread and fish. But then those thoughts begin to turn to doubt and that leads to settling for less, which leads to a not a very high belief in the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And, and then we somehow come to the conclusion, we're not sure we can even be the hands of and feet of Jesus. And before you know it, you and I are living just an ordinary life. An ordinary life is where you only live for what is attainable. I'm only going to color inside the lines I'm not going to take any risks. I, I'm talking about if I know I can do it, then I'll do it kind of life. I actually believe that God wants all of us, you and me, to live extraordinary lives. Extraordinary lives. Lives that are beyond just the ordinary. So there's a little extra on it. That doesn't mean that you strive for fame or, or for uh, some kind of fortune or your own glory. No, you live an extraordinary life, not because you're extraordinary, but because he is extraordinary. Jesus said in this verse that we just read, he said, he said, you're going to do greater things because I am going to my father. And what he was talking about is I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to intercede for you and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to live in you and take you beyond what you thought possible. Ephesians 3.20 is a fabulous verse on this subject. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers and he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work in us. We can all live these kinds of lives. Yes, we can, even through a global pandemic. Even through very difficult political seasons in our culture, there is still more that God wants you to do in you and through you. He wants to do some things that you haven't seen yet. God wants to work in you in such a way that you go beyond what you can accomplish, what you think you can do, even beyond what you could imagine. So if you're like, I don't know, I can imagine quite a bit. That's what God wants to tap into. Look at the next verse in Ephesians 3, verse 21 says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look at what happens when God does this amazing work through you and me. God gets the glory and he wants to do it through the church. The church—that's you and me. Say that's me. Yes, it's you and me. But for many of us, we've fallen into the status quo way of living. Well, the pandemic's here, and we just can't really do much. And it's, it seems so pointless. All the all the crazy stuff going on around us, the chaos—I I, just—it seems like it's defining everything. And we're just going through the motions sometimes. And it's just—it is a struggle. There's no doubt about that trying to make it day by day and life just seems sort of dull. It's kind of like we just kind of feel empty. And I know so many of you have felt like that. I've, I've felt like that during this last season. But God wants to help you move past that. Let me say it again. God wants to help you and me move past this season and to lift our eyes to the next season. Have you ever heard the saying, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time? It's true. That's how some of us are living. I don't want to live that way. Why not take aim? Why not have a dream? Why not live for something bigger than yourself? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Opened. To you. James 4 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Think about it for a second. Even though there is no limit to God's power, God's goodness, God's provision, Jesus says, You don't have because you don't ask. Look, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. That's not just Ferris Bueller. That's Bible. That's Bible. Look at this in James 4.14. It says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And the reality is when we go through this life, without ever tapping into the vision that God has given us, we can easily settle for much, much less than God has for our lives. Here's what I want you to hear today. God intended for you to God never intended for you to live an ordinary life. He always int- intended for you to live beyond yourself. He never intends for us to live ordinary lives. He always intends for us to live beyond ourselves. And so there's some ways of thinking that preve- that can prevent legacy from appearing in our lives that can ruin our legacies. And I want to talk about those for a couple of minutes because it's a wrong view of myself that can kill my legacy. This is a massive issue for so many people. You see yourself the wrong way. Some people think it's just humility, right? Like, like, um, that's not what I'm talking about here, right? Because, because humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, so what I'm talking about is insecurity. Insecurity. You think, who am I that God would love me? Who am I that God could use me? What, what will people think if I try? What will they say? Listen, if you'll let him, if you'll let him, God can free you from insecurity. He wants to. He, he, he can make you secure in who you are, in who he believes you are, who he knows you can become. He wants to make you into a son or a daughter of the one true king. Don't let his insecurity define you. The second wrong view of yourself is fear. When fear just dominates your life, I'm scared. What if things don't work out? What, I, I, I don't know what will happen if I step out. What if I fail? Listen, you're never a failure until you give up. You're never a failure until you give up. If you let him, God wants to set you free from fear and make you courageous. His perfect love casts out fear is what the Bible says. The third wrong view of ourselves often is inadequacy. We just don't think we're enough. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Well, I don't have the gifts that that guy has, and you, you just feel like you're not good enough. Everybody else can do so much more, and they're so much better than me. I think you already know this, but you always lose when you compare yourself with others. You're either better than them is what happens. When you compare yourself with those and you're better than them, you're like, I, I've got this down. Like, I know what I'm doing. That's pride. Or you don't quite measure up. You're worse than them. And that's what creates that insecurity. Here's the reality. The reality is you are inadequate until God gets involved, until God comes and lifts you up. If you'll let him, he wants to release you from the inadequacy that you feel and fill you with confidence. The fourth thing that contributes to a wrong view of ourselves is unwillingness. You know you can do something, but for whatever reason, you don't. Like you procrastinate, you make excuses. And so nothing in your life ever changes. You're always just thinking about, I'm gonna fill out that team one card <laughs> next week, right? And you always put it off somehow. Listen, if you'll let him, God wants to free you from unwillingness and move you forward in his plan, and his purpose. Listen to what the Bible says about you. Psalm 1835, it says, you give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. What an incredible verse. I bet you haven't heard that in a while, that God stoops down to make you great. This is what God says he wants. This is what he wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants to come and make you great to stir up his greatness in you. Get out of seeing yourself the wrong way. I've experienced this personally, even planting our church all those years ago. I I was challenged in public speaking. I mean, if you would have seen me in my oral comm class in college, you would be so proud of me right now right because god's done so much in me but it took it took me to be willing to take the risk i had to be willing to get out of my self-absorbed sort of self-focused perfectionism right always holding myself to a standard that i couldn't reach and god has done something really cool i'm amazed 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You got picked, you got chosen so that you can proclaim his praises. So that you can proclaim who he is, being a legacy person, Starts with a right view of who you are, of who God says you are. And you and I got to embrace that. But you can also have the problem of a wrong view of people, a wrong view of everybody around you. (laughs) One of the ways you do that is you just think everybody else is so lame. People are so lame. You think to yourself, for you, they're not people to be loved. They're problems to be avoided. Some people look at other people out there. The church would be, one of the things pastors say a lot, of. the church would be so great. Ministry would be so awesome if it weren't for the people. Right? That's, that's a problem. People can either irritate you or bring you joy, but it's your choice how you view them. And we have to make the right choice. And it creeps in so easily, doesn't it? Like you can be sitting at 5.30 on Mopac, stuck in traffic, and that contempt just rises up in you. And that guy who's in front of you, who keeps trying to, he keeps cutting in front of you. It's like, it can happen so easily. We can just just be so irritated at people. We need to understand what Jesus said in Matthew 9.36. What Jesus did when he saw the crowds. This this verse says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like a sheep without a shepherd. We just can't forget that there are people around us who are in such a desperate state. And you don't always know what's going on in their lives. In fact, most of the time I would say you don't know. And we have to be attentive. We have to be willing. I mean, there's so many struggles that are all around us with all kinds of family situations and foster kids, single parents, people with broken marriages, like people suffering with depression and anxiety about what's going on in our culture. The isolation of this pandemic has had a profound impact on so many people. We need to have compassion. We can't forget how Jesus sees them. We need to see them this way. If we forget how Jesus sees them, if we then we'll forget to pray. We'll, we'll forget why we pray. We'll forget why we serve. We're, we'll forget why we give. We'll forget why we are the church of Jesus Christ. We can't forget them. We have to have a right view of people because you'll never leave a legacy if you have a wrong view of yourself and you'll never leave a legacy without a right view of people. Remember, leaving a legacy isn't about you. Alone, it's about what you did for others. It's about what you gave to others. When I was working at another church before I came to Austin, We went through this season where every morning when we'd go to work, there would be a a paper on our desk and it would be a photocopy of the obituaries in our city. And along with those obituaries of the people who had died, it would say something like, today people went to heaven and people went to hell. The percentage of people who went to heaven or hell is determined by how well you did your job yesterday. (laughs) That, that was like, that's a little bit of pressure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that, that that kind of pressure is good, but I can tell you when we went through that for a season, just thinking about eternity every day and being reminded that we do have an impact, that, we, that God is trying to collaborate with us. That's a good thing to remember. How you live your life today, how you make decisions today really affects people tomorrow. And so I think we have to help determine where people will spend eternity. We can't forget that. Another problem we have is a wrong view of God, a wrong view of who God is. We easily forget we serve a God who does miracles. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything we can ask, or even the Bible says, imagine. Imagine. And we forget that. So we're not, we're not dreaming God-sized dreams. We're not dreaming of what God's wanting to do. We're only dreaming of what we can do and what we can probably, maybe accomplish in our lives. It's so limiting. Whatever we can do in our own strength, talents, and abilities and resources, that's what we fixate on sometimes. You and I have to have vision for our lives. We have to have vision that we might not be able to attain something that's bigger than what we can accomplish ourselves. You, you need some things in your life that can only happen if God shows up. (laughs) You need, you and I need this, this idea that I want God to be moving outside of my view. I can't, I don't know if it's happening. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I've got my eyes fixed on what's possible And what God will come through and do for me, if I'll get in the saddle with him and I'll get connected to him and and I'll start collaborating with him, maybe there's something that would go beyond what I'm really capable capable of. Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, says this in chapter 32, verse 17. He says, Ah, sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We got to remember that. This is why we need to join with God in in order to live lives beyond ourselves. Listen, church, I want us to be that kind of people. I know we've had a hard year. I know the challenges that have been in front of us, but we cannot forget that we are a group of people, a community of faith. We are a community that we're consistently in over our heads. That's the way we live. That's what God's called us to so that he can show up and reveal his mercy, reveal his miracle power, reveal that he is interested in blessing not only our lives, but the people around us. God says, yes, if you'll, if you'll act like that, then, then watch what I can do. Here's the big idea for today. It's from the verse we read at the top. John 14, 12, very truly. I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to my father. You got to hear it. Remember what faith is in the book of Hebrews. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some of you today are out of hope. You're struggling. It's been too difficult. Your hope is gone. And you're just struggling to, to get by. Everything is kind of planned out for you and none of that happened like you thought it was gonna, going to. And so you have no hope. You're struggling. I want to challenge you to think about tapping into a greater things kind of life. As we move forward, I want you to think about lifting your eyes, believing for greater things, praying for greater things, putting your hope in what God can do and not just in what you can do. Jesus said, if you have faith in me, you'll do what I've been doing and greater. Wait, what? Greater than what Jesus can do? Look, this requires faith. You know, we're, we're asking everybody as a result of our series, one special offering once a year where we just say, Hey, let's take a big giant step of faith. Let's, let's help each other do what God's called us to do as a community, as one chapel. We can take a giant leap in our vision, our vision and our mission. This is what the legacy offering is about on December 13th, but you can't really enter into it unless you have faith. You have, to, you have to tap into faith in God because we're asking everybody, just pray. Pray and ask God what you should do and then do what he tells you. That's, it's as simple as that. But you've got to give with a, a certain sense of faith, a certain sense of confidence in God. It's a little bit beyond you. It's a little bit more than oh, that you could just easily do. Hebrews eleven six six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God for those who come to him. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's time for us to earnestly seek God. Check out this story from the Old Testament. And this is what we're gonna end with today. This story in 2 Kings 3, 9 through 18, we're gonna read if you wanna follow along. And the story is Israel, is divided into two kingdoms, and you may understand that part of the story. Judah and Israel are the, are the two kingdoms, and they both had kings, and they were <laughs> working on joining together with another king, the king of Edom, and they were going to come against uh, a country called Moab. And so they're trying to figure this thing out and it's a story about what's happening in the middle of that. And I think it it gives us real insight. And I'm gonna read it from the message translation, which is a modern day version. And so it says in verse nine, 2 Kings three, the king of Israel, the king of Judah and the king of Edom started out on what proved to be a looping detour. So they're they're roaming around trying to figure out how to attack. And after seven days, they had run out of Water for both army and animals. So they're running out of water. The king of Israel said, bad news. God's gotten us three kings out here and he's dumped us into the hand of Moab. Here we are, we're in trouble. Verse 11 says, but Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Judah. He says, isn't there a prophet of God anywhere around through whom we can consult God? And you understand in the Old Testament, that's how people could talk with God and hear God is through the prophet. Today, you and I have direct access because of Jesus. But here in this story, they said one of the servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is around somewhere, the one who was Elijah's right-hand man. And Jehoshaphat said, good, a man we can trust. So the three of them, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom, went to meet him. And Elisha addressed the king of Israel, what do you and I have in common? Go consult the puppet prophets of your father and mother. He was kind of upset about it because he knew of the wickedness of Israel, (laughs) but it's never said the king of Israel. It's God who's gotten us into this fix, dumping all three of us kings into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as God of the angel armies lives and before whom I'm I'm stand ready to serve. If it weren't for the respect I have for Jehoshaphat, King of Judah, I wouldn't give you the time of day. That's what the, that's what the prophet says to these Kings. He's like, I'm not going to give you the time of day. Now I I want you to watch, this is the context. Now I want you to watch what Elisha says and does as three things from this story that teach us to have greater faith, faith for greater things, faith for greater things. Verse 15 says, he says, but considering you've come here, bring me a minstrel. A minstrel was a musician. Bring me a musician. And when, when the musician played the power of God came on Elisha, the new King James version says, then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him the guys are like what are you doing like we're fighting a battle you want mood music no that's not what was happening just notice just notice what the sound of music begins to do but it's not just music it's a worshipper playing the music it's a worshipper of God coming and cultivating the presence of God acknowledging God's presence in their their challenge. It changes the spiritual atmosphere. Worship changes everything. When you enter into it, it is an act of faith itself. Elisha shows us something about faith here. Faith grows in God's presence. When you experience God's presence, your faith begins to rise. When you enter into God's presence, there's something that happens. You get a new view. You get a, a different picture, a different perspective. And here's the harsh reality. Some of us don't have faith because we don't have the presence of God. are kind of just out there fighting on our own. You're only relying on yourself and what you think is possible. You think I'm not connected to anything or anyone greater than me. I've got nothing on the inside that's stirring me up. God wants to change that in you today. Some of you haven't experienced God's presence for a long time. And I just wanna, while I'm speaking, I want you to become aware of God's presence. I want you to become open, open to God's grace for you. And whether that means forgiveness or healing or encouragement, lifting you up because <laughs> here's here's the bad news the worship leader he doesn't go home with you right <laughs> you come and get filled up at church a lot of times but then you hit the parking lot and it's over listen here's what you got to do here's what you and I have to do we have to cultivate a lifestyle of worship beyond just our gatherings do it daily put on some worship music get your get your playlist Put it on. Let, let worship begin to surround you and fill you with faith. Lift your hands in your, in your house. Maybe go in your closet. And just lift up your hands to the Lord and begin to cultivate his presence. He'll meet you there, I promise you. You will see it. You'll experience him. You'll get filled up. I want you to be filled up and stirred up. I want you to go seek him and finally find him because suddenly you'll have faith for dreams again. Suddenly you'll you'll have faith for your marriage again in God's presence. Suddenly you'll have faith and hope in the future. And by the way, this has to be a lifestyle. And it happens when we gather at church, but it's got to go beyond. Faith grows in God's presence. Look what happens next in verse 16. Verse 16, Elisha, he then said, this is God's word. Dig ditches all over this valley. He's coaching them now, the three kings, what they should do. They've run out of water, all their army, all their animals. He says, I want you to start digging ditches all over this valley. (laughs) You want the verse to just say, you want the verse to just say, oh, God took care of it all. He made it rain and they got some water. (laughs) That's what we kind of want. But God didn't take care of everything. He invited them. God invited them in. To the process. He said, dig. And there's another key to faith. Number two, faith isn't just inspiration, it's participation. It's participating in what God's doing. That means you don't just sit back and leave it all up to God. In the old Tes- old and new testaments, God always got people involved from the very beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. He wanted them to move with him. He wants you to be involved. He wants you to move. Jesus took the blind man and rubbed dirt in his eyes and told him to go wash. Jesus could have healed him right there, but he wanted the guy to take some steps. The disciples wanted the people to be dismissed when they were gathered and go get some food. But Jesus said, no, sit them down in groups of 50. What do you got? You got a few fish, some loaves of bread. He got the people involved. Some of you are just sitting around waiting on God but could it be that God is waiting on you? Some of you are having trouble getting up. I want you to start digging. Start digging. Dig some ditches. Move forward towards your dream, towards what you think God might do for you. Take some steps in the direction of that miracle. Move ahead towards the vision. My dad's famous around here for saying... It's really hard to steer a parked car, right? You got to move. You got to, the car has to be moving f- to be steered. God wants to steer you, but you got to move forward in faith, not knowing how it's all going to turn out, but relying on God's direction and, pro- and provision. Faith has to move beyond inspiration. It has to include participation. It have to, has to have an action. Then look at this last verses, verse 17 through 18. Here's what will happen, Elisha said. You won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but this valley is going to fill up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. He will also hand over Moab to you. In other words, you won't see any signs that God is at work, but the valleys will be filled with water. Number three, faith keeps on even when it sees nothing. Faith keeps on even when it sees nothing. Some of us feel discouraged today because we haven't seen anything in a long time. It's just been so challenging and so difficult. We're like, God, where are you? We've we've been praying and praying and it seems like nothing has changed. Listen, I understand that God understands that. Don't feel ashamed of that today. But instead, God wants you to speak up. God wants to speak to you today and say, don't give up, don't quit, don't stop. Don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on the prodigal child that you're praying for. Don't give up on the marriage that you're engaged in. Don't give up on the people around you. Walk by faith, not by sight. Some of you just need to shut your eyes. Like even now, you need to shut your eyes and stop looking at your circumstances. Others of you need to adjust your lenses so that you can see differently. You're you're looking through the wrong lens and you need to look through the lens of Jesus. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that God is not working. He is working. He's working. 2 Kings 3.18 says, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. (laughs) This is easy for God. He'll also deliver the Moabites into your hand. I want you to close your eyes for a moment now. And just in this atmosphere of worship, I just want you to just acknowledge God's presence right here. Maybe right where you are, right where you're sitting. No matter what you're doing, maybe you're doing something, maybe just put put whatever you're doing down. Stop for a moment. I believe God actually wants to reveal himself to you. I think he wants to do some amazing things in and through our lives. I believe you're called, I'm called, we're called to live a legacy, to leave a legacy for him. And it happens in what we do for others. Real Christianity is based on this kind of faith. Real Christianity, following Jesus, this is legacy building faith. Would you join me today? Would you join me today in praying right where you are? Father, we just come to you and we ask you to forgive us for allowing all the stuff around us to define us. Forgive us for looking through the wrong lenses Forgive us for losing our faith, losing our hope. Lord, you see us and you understand, you understand what's going on in our lives. You understand what's going on in my life. Lord, I look to you today. That's what I want you to do. I just want you to kind of pray this prayer with me. Lord, I look to you today and I look to you for greater things. Stir up my heart, stir up my soul. Stir me up from my place of discouragement give me courage give courage in every heart in every life every one of us lord we together we want to be full of the courage that only you possess and you put it in us and faith begins to rise stir us up lord with your presence and your power your authority your grace your truth this is what we need we look to you and we receive from you today Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for a change in perspective. Thank you for leading us into greater things so that you can be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.